Welcome to The Love Drive. It's a show about sex, love, and everything in between. If it has to do with your heart or your genitals, we're talking about it. It's raw, explicit, and playful. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. I'm Sean Galanopoulos, the host of The Love Drive podcast, a show about sexuality, intimacy, and freaky, kinky shit. When finding guests for the show, I often resort to doing online research. And that's exactly how I fell upon Frank Mondoze, who also goes by the name of the spiritual playboy. At first, I was skeptical. I mean, did I really want to interview a guy who calls himself the spiritual playboy? And then I remembered that I'm a guy who goes by the name of the love drive. The more research I did, the more intrigued I was. Frank is an entertainer, a sex educator, but he also helps facilitate sacred shamanic sexuality workshops for the International School of Temple Arts, an institution which organizes Tantra workshops around the world. I wasn't sure what sacred shamanic sexuality was, and the only thing I knew about Tantra is that Sting does it and can have sex for 35 hours without blowing his load. I'll be honest, I'm weary of anything that can be classified as new age. But no matter how cynical or skeptical I am, I'm always curious and open to learning new aspects of sexuality and intimacy. If it can lead to more sex and a deeper connection, I'm in. Frank is an amazing facilitator and a very effective sex educator, and we had a blast together. We talk about sex magic and how to cultivate it how men and women can have more powerful and explosive orgasms, how to talk about your desires, fears, and boundaries in a lovemaking session, how asking for what you want is the best way of getting what you want, and so much more. This episode is obviously not safe for work, but who the hell listens to podcast episodes at work without headphones on? Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Could you introduce yourself, please? So my name is Frank Mondoze. I am just turned 40 years old. And uh, I've, at the age of 27, I started up an event company called Mondoze, which means Daring People, Daring World, with the intent to create an uh, erotic performance art event where we would mix... Um, high-end, delicious house music beats with uh, stimulating, sensual, visual visuals, whether it be performances or animation. And I just celebrated the 13th anniversary uh, just this past weekend when we hosted the Mondoze Burlesque Ball. Right. And there it's like a celebration of femininity and female empowerment and female beauty and just another successful event of around 800 people. Cool. Yeah. And uh, and about six years ago, six, seven years ago, I had a personal professional breakdown and I started seeking. I didn't know I was seeking at the moment, but I went off to Costa Rica and found myself in the forest in an intentional community. And there I discovered love, but not like romantic love, but the big love. And the big love was healing my emotional pains and my my blockages, my 
deep-seated resentments. Mm. And I recognized that love is the healing energy of the universe. And that resonated a lot with me. And although I was an entertainer and big into personality and ego, there was this call of my heart that was saying, like, there's something deeper here. You, you can do more. And so as a joke to myself, I was saying, what kind of healer would I be if I was a healer? And obviously, a sexual healer came up, right? Yeah, why not? Why not? If you could pick one, that's the one I would pick. And so I laughed at myself, and then I started to do uh, research on the internet. And I discovered that, yeah, there's this thing called Tantra and sacred sexuality, and it is the foundation of sexual healing. And then through a bunch of synchronistic things, events, as it happens, I find myself four months after that awakening, I find myself in uh, Sedona, Arizona, where I was studying as an apprentice to one of the leading sexual healers in the world who is called, whose name is uh, Baba Des Nichols. And you could find that there's a movie on uh, Netflix. It used to be on Netflix called Sex Magic. And it's a, a great sensationalized movie about his life and his emotions. Uh, so the movie was average, but the concepts and what they were doing was actually serious and profound for me. And so I find myself there in a one-month apprenticeship with uh, Baba Des, and I meet another teacher by the name of Crystal Dawn Morris. And Crystal Dawn sees my magic, and she, like takes me under her wing. And for three years, I go on a deep dive of learning. Tantra, and basically from the lineage of Margot Anand, who is the matriarch of Western Neo-Tantra. And then from there, I had an opportunity to teach on faculty with the International School of Temple Arts in 2015, after uh, the conference I hosted here uh, called the uh, Conference on uh, Consciousness and Sexuality. Cool. And from that point on, the rest is history. I've been teaching with ISTA for the last three odd years. And I've been in 20 trainings of one week long each. And yeah, the work is absolutely profound. And for me, there's no question what I want to be doing with my life is I want to be helping people uh, master their life force and master their purpose here and, and become conscious creators. And we do that through helping people go through uh, moving past their emotional blocks, their traumas, and then to learn the uh, body technology in order to feed it and have the body serve the embodied presence here and really do what they've come here to do. I have so many questions. Awesome. Let's do this. <laughs> so the, the first thing I want to ask you is like, you know, for, for people who don't know, for the people listening at home, they think of Tantra and I'm not sure they, they understand what it means. Mm -hmm. So could you shed a little bit of light on Tantra? Okay. So Tantra is a big word. It's like saying spirituality, like what is spirituality? <laughs> everybody has their own version and everybody has their own version of what Tantra is. But basically, Tantra is a, um, a philosophy that touches on sexuality, as Tantra is probably one of the on only spiritualities that doesn't reject sexuality as part of the whole. Right. 
sexuality represents about 7 to 11% of the whole philosophy that is Tantra. The West has picked up Tantra and really focused on the sexuality aspect right. of it. Right. So when we say Tantra in the West, we think of sexuality, and that's is more neo-Tantra, new Tantra. Okay. And uh, the new Tantra is often linked to, you know, for men, it's uh, ejaculatory choice. Uh, this idea of making love and like Sting. Sting made Tantra very popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's like, when he can make love all night and so on. He's a tantric lover. At the foundation, Tantra means to weave and to expand. So we live in a, in a, in a world of duality. And so oftentimes our reality is represented by uh, two opposing forces. So how do we marry or weave these opposing forces to create one integrated whole? It's like people think that to be spiritual, they got to be playing the light. It's like heart and third eye right, and, right. and enlightenment. Yeah. And they reject everything that is dark. They reject the genitals. They reject the asshole. They reject all these... The ego. The, you know, they reject it all. So that's more of the dark, denser, uh, more manifest elements. So it, Tantra actually brings the light and dark together to create a, a, a unified or integrated being. To put it bluntly or to put it simply... Tantra, there's four keys of Tantra. Basically, it's presence, breath, sound, and movement. So ultimately, by nature, we are all tantric by nature. Right. It's just that we are so living in our mind and in the focus of doing and acting outward into the world or right. that we, we actually lose connection with our inner worlds. And that presence and that stillness brings us into, into the, the, the current moment. And then you can meet the world from that place. So if I was bringing that into like a lovemaking session, for example, you know, when you're making love, it's you, you, when we're coming from this unconscious, very superficial, uh, commodity-based version of sexuality that we live in today's society, like we're, we're in the doing, I'm doing or I'm performing mm -hmm. or I'm taking. Mm -hmm. A lot of men we're getting into in trouble for this is because when we're actually in a sexual experience, the energy that we're bringing is this taking energy. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I have an opportunity to be a woman. I need to take as much as I can right now because yeah. I don't know the next time I'm going to get laid. Yeah. So Tantra asks you to let go of all of that because that's coming from a, a fear or lack paradigm. Yeah. And Tantra asks you to understand that love is abundant and yeah. always flowing and there's there, it's endless. Yeah. So when you meet a lover from the stillness presence moment, you could actually meet the body, meet the energy body, and through uh, a very deep listening, mm. you could actually hear exactly what their body wants or what their body needs. So instead of trying to figure out how to make that yoni or pussy work well so that you could get off, it's like you don't have to be in the mind thinking, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do that technique. You're actually moving in stillness. You actually are moving through stillness yeah. and presence, and then you're allowing the body to speak to you and to tell you, oh, this is what is needed or this is what is desired. And then you're responding to those cues versus ignoring it and just pushing through an agenda. Right. <clears throat> Which is, I think, what a lot of men do. Right. Right. They, they, get, they get excited about getting laid, and then they, they, they sort of fall back into a pattern of what they've always done. 
which is sort of go through the moves that have worked for me in the past with this partner, and I'll apply all that to this partner. And unfortunately, the thing is that everybody's different. Absolutely. And they all come from a different state of desire, of need, of what they want, of where they're at in that moment, of speed, of tempo. tempo, all of it, yes. And I was talking to a friend uh, recently uh, who I'm crediting this whole podcast to because she kept on planting the seed about doing the podcast. And uh, she said that she was with a lover that that uh, as soon as they started, you know, getting getting sexual, as soon as that that energy was present, he would go on autopilot, and he was no longer present, and he would go through the motions, and she felt completely disconnected mm. from him to the point where she had to stop. Good, good for her. Yeah, and I don't think that I don't think that people do stop. Sometimes they just keep going going with it, and then they wonder, you know, why wasn't that any good? And then the worst case scenario is that there's regret yeah. on the next morning. Yeah. And then the feeling of being violated. Yeah. And then it's like, what do I do with this energy? Who do I blame right. for this for this experience? And so Tantra as well is linked to like owning your experience. Uh, owning the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. Because actually, at the core of it, we are conscious creators. And where we are, where we feel that we're not creating or where we feel like we're out of control is only that we've chosen to give up our power by not using our voice and not using our, uh, our choice. Yeah. Because culturally, from a very young age, man or a woman, boy or girl, we've been taught to... Um, disown our no it's like sean go kiss your uncle no i don't want to kiss my uncle sean kiss your uncle do it do it i don't want to kiss my uncle do it or else you're gonna make it make us look bad okay and you go kiss your uncle right there's the moment of taking away your no that you are not a sovereign being that you don't have choice that that what is authentically yours in, in your feeling body is not allowed and, and this whole school system really reinforces that whole experience. So there's so many cues in our society that is telling us, actually, you don't have power. You are a disempowered being. And then life happens. And all of a sudden, it's like, who do I have to blame for this? Because something happened to me versus that I allowed things to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get used to being in that pattern of not not owning your no or owning your yes also like you know i'm reading nonviolent communication and it and it talks about being able to make requests that aren't that aren't um demands right so you make right. you make a request and, and someone has the power to say no to that request and you, and then that's it you you can either renegotiate or continue to explore that no but you don't you don't punish or blame or lay a guilt trip on because someone has said no Exactly. And in Tantra, the Tantra that I'm practicing is we have a practice called uh, Desires, Fears and Boundaries. And what it is like each partner gets an opportunity to express their desires, their fears, their boundaries uninterrupted. And then once they're complete, the other person could go. And it's the opportunity of like really expressing like, this is my desire. It doesn't mean that I need this. It doesn't mean that if you don't want to do what I'm, I'm requesting, that you're bad. It's just really owning and voicing the desire. It's like, mm. I want this, or I desire this, or my intention is whatever. The second piece is like speaking our fears. Oftentimes we don't speak our fears. Like the idea of, of speaking our fears is so scary because it's going to make us look weak. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, just it's, it's, the re, it's the reverse. It actually is very empowering because when you speak your fears, number one, 
it diffuses the charge that you have internally. It's like, oh, fuck, okay, I said it. You know, it's, it's, it's said. Number two, the other person gets to hear what our fear is. So unless they're really like a, a, a sadist, they're not going to go push your fear buttons because that's only going to push you away. So by right. the other person knowing what your fear is, it's like, oh my God, I could hold space for that and I'm going to make sure not to step and press on those buttons. Yeah. And then finally, it's like this idea of speaking our boundaries. It's like, no, if I don't want to be penetrated or I don't want to penetrate tonight for whatever reason, yeah. that I could speak that as a boundary. And what that offers is it offers the playing field. So it's like uh, soccer, basketball. We yeah, always have the, the lines. Yeah. yeah. And that so it's it's like we could go all the way up until the line, but we know that that's the boundary and we don't have to be in the mind saying, is she going to cross the boundary? Is he going to cross my boundary? Or what is my boundary? I don't even know what my boundary is. Oh my God, I'm hitting a boundary. I'm in the moment. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to own it. Yeah. So by before going into a ritual or a ceremony or a, a sexual encounter, a session, a session yeah. whatever it is, is that you're actually very clear of what your boundary is and you voiced it. So if you don't know what your own boundary is and you, you don't know it for yourself personally, there's no way another person can, uh, can honor it by through like, you know, non-verbals. I mean, if you're attentive, you can get the nonverbal, but considering that a lot of men are in the position of, oh my God, I have sex and I'm going to put on my program and I'm playing my program and I'm not present, it's, it's, it's almost normal that some cues are not going to be read. So uh, Tantra really focuses on personal empowerment, personal embodiment, which means using your voice. Uh, to get exactly what you want and to create the boundaries so that you're actually creating safety for yourself. Yeah. So so this idea of safety, it's like culturally, we're always looking outside of ourselves for safety. It's like, oh, the police are going to protect me. My father's going to protect me. The government is going to protect me. Like we see the, the, the war on terrorism, whatever. It's like there's this whole big fear paradigm that somebody outside of myself... <coughs> has to protect me. Well, Tantra says that safety is uh, uh, an, 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 an inside job. Right. Meaning by knowing your boundaries, by speaking your boundaries, you end up, and holding your boundaries, th there's an energetic authority that is created that people will feel as they approach you. Yeah. I mean, the, the motto of the love drive is more sex, more love through honest, playful communication. I've, I've always felt that Asking for what you want is the best way of getting what you want. The ability to articulate your needs and your desires in a thoughtful, fun, open, playful way mm. is, is just a shortcut to getting what you want. And also to really like taking part in, you know, an interaction with another person. Because when I share my desires, fears, and boundaries, it empowers you to share your desires, fears, and boundaries. And for us to, to, co-create this like safe thing mm. and then we know what's we know what's available exactly. and and it makes the interaction clear i mean i love clear interaction but you know how do we how do regular people get access to this kind of stuff because it's it's a little bit on the fringes well that's that's the the problem it's like considering our whole education system teaches us everything from math and science and all that that jazz it's like why aren't we teaching interpersonal skills like this skill is not rocket science it's it's very easy to uh, teach the youth 
how to own their voice and, and, and these skills of communication. So I think it has to do with a, a, a rise in consciousness. And I feel that there's a wave of consciousness that's coming through. And uh, when we look at the whole like Me Too movement, we, we see that there is a need to start having these conversations. So the conversations are starting, which could only lead to um, a pro a progress. Right. If we look at the past in terms of our education system, we got to say like, okay, we're, we're not feeding our youth the proper information. So what are we doing as embodied conscious creators as a, as a, as a social unit? What are we actually doing to make sure that there is uh, a, a shift in paradigm, a shift in consciousness where men are learning more and more, for example, how to meet a woman, the, not coming from this greedy, needy space or this uh, lack mentality so that we're feeling like we need to take and dominate and coerce. Like, I mean, I remember growing up with the boys and, and so on and so forth. It was always a joke around like, you know, uh, uh, that I got this girl or, you yeah. know, she didn't want to. And then we, she was convinced into, it's like, <laughs> it, it's, it's like, you know, and, and all the movies portray that as well. Yeah. If you look at movies from the fifties, the sixties, whatever, what is it? It's the man goes to the woman. The woman is like shy, reluctant, and she says no, but the man is persistent. persistent and so we are taught that persistence pays off and not only does persistence pays off that women see persistence as a form of love yeah so it's like we're so indoctrinated and in, in, from with all these like whack ideas of what it is to meet another individual and tantra says actually we're all divine beings and if you recognize yourself as a divine being you want to be met in a certain way and therefore when you meet another being that you have to meet them from that place the place that they are a divine being so that you you're approaching them with the utmost respect love care consideration and that ultimately when we connect and we, are, we bring our bodies together that it is actually a blessing yeah you know I, i'm trying starting to look at love making and connection as a blessing not as a way to get off or not as just recreation but a true spiritual blessing yeah you 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 touched on something you said you know why aren't we teaching interpersonal stuff to to teens and I agree with you. And I watched your 40th uh, celebration video on okay. YouTube. And and one of your friends said, oh, Frank, you know, he's just got away with women. <laughs> Some people are going to hear that and they're going to go, you know, I wish I had a way with women. Like mm -hmm. I think people, men particularly that don't have a way with women, would like to have a way with women. Mm -hmm. So if we were to break that down, mm -hmm. like what does having a way with women mean? And and I'm I'm I I see that in like the most positive light mm -hmm. possible. What can what can we like extrapolate mm -hmm. from that and how can we like you know teach something from that how can how can we teach people to have a way with women yeah basically? so i mean like from the outside perspective when you hear that you probably think of like you know the neil strauss player stuff it's like you know he knows how to talk to a woman in order to get her to get do what he wants actually for me it's the you know it's not a player perspective it's i really show up a hundred percent authentic and a hundred percent vulnerable yeah. Meaning it's like when I meet you, I'm telling you my truth. Yeah. So if it's like a woman that is like really want, like has a desire to connect with me for whatever reason and uh, like 
I could tell that there's a part of her that is hoping that, you know, if we connect, then we'll be in relationship and I, mm. uh, Frank will be my boyfriend and mm. life is going to be good. It's like when I read those signs or whatever, it's like I make sure to communicate that my truth. So my truth is, is like, I'm open to connect with you. I want to connect with you. I have great desire. So it's like that authenticity. It's like, mm. yeah, I do want to connect with you, whatever. And then, and but also state that, um, However, like, I'm not interested in a long-term relationship. I'm interested from uh, f for being in this moment and connecting from the heart. So I always, so what do I do? I always have my heart present. It's, mm -hmm. it's not like I'm coming from this fully genital space. When, when I was younger and I was like, I was horny and I was moving from a genital place, I would always feel somewhat desperate and, and women read that and they're like, ugh. Yeah. And so now I've come to the place without attachment. So I, I don't need anything. I'm not trying to get anything. So if I'm not trying to get anything, then women feel disarmed. They feel like, okay, like I could be myself and I could be sensual around this guy and I don't feel like he's going to jump my bones right. without my permission because I don't feel that neediness. Yeah. Uh, number two, when we do connect, my heart is always present. So when I told you I learned about love, I was speaking about this idea of uh, this bigger love. And for me, it's like any woman I connect with Making love, uh, having sex is an expression of love. So I sure. can meet that person from the heart place and actually see her as a divine being and therefore actually have my heart uh, embodied in this experience mm -hmm. and not separate. Yeah. So they feel the heart. It's this idea of, I, I call it radical or ruthless authenticity. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that it gives women choice. So if you're like playing a game and you're 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 trying to convince somebody of something and that you're not being authentic, you're not really giving the person authentic choice. Right. For me, it's like I put all the cards on the table and then if these cards match your hand, well, then you'll move into it from your choice point. Yeah. And so what that leads to is it leads to a lot of people having good experiences that feel that feel that they were completely in control of this of of the, their choice at yeah. least and not like oh i was tricked into this or it's something i wasn't sure i wanted and i did it anyway and now i have regret yeah so the idea of for me the the foundation of relationship is choice. The foundation of uh, cheating or deception is taking away choice. So if we're, let's say we're dating and I want to be with another woman for whatever reason, and I do that behind your back and I, and I, and I move and I do this thing and then I come back into the, into our relationship and she's none the wiser. Well, she never had choice. And yeah. if she would know that I was with another woman, maybe her choice would be to step away. Yeah. And because I don't want to lose her and I want to eat my, have my cake and eat it too. It's like, I'm controlling the, the communication. I'm controlling the outcome. So by giving the individual choice saying, Hey, I want to be with a woman or I have been with another woman. It allows them to say, how do I feel about that? That really pisses me off. I don't want to be here. I'm stepping away. Yeah. Or that really hurts me. I, I, I don't know how to deal with it. Let me process this. And then by the end of the time they process it and they still say, 
well, I could understand why you wanted to be with that other woman and I accept you anyway yeah. and I love you. And so that's a choice. So now we're, we're, we're coming from an empowered place of freedom, freedom of, of choice. So for me, it's, uh, and finally, the piece of vulnerability. Yeah. I, I show my insides. I show when I'm, when I'm insecure. Like, oh, when you said this or when you did this, it really made me question and it hurt this part of me, yeah. which blah, blah, blah. So it's a bit of, it's, a, it's about being mushy and, and yeah. like men are not used to this because we have to be like this hard shell and show like no fear and, and be bold. And, but actually I'm like, yeah, I could be all of that. I'm very big voice and big man and big energy. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a soft part of me like we all have. Yeah. And I don't allow it to be like hidden in the background. It's like when it needs to be spoken or when it's present in, with me, I'll bring it to the table. Often I find that vulnerability and authenticity is actually a turn on for women. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, they, they want, you know, some women want, you know, a strong protector type being, but they also want, you know, we're talking about duality. They also want someone they can be mushy with. They can be honest and vulnerable about what's actually really happening. I mean, that turns them on. Absolutely. And then there's other women. They're like, oh, he's so like, he's so soft. And I, you know, they don't like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It doesn't turn me on. It doesn't turn me on. So for me, it's like, okay, well, just bring that to the table and I know so then I could have choice. I have choice to say, actually, do I want to be sharing my time, my energy, my body, my, my sexuality with somebody that doesn't want to see my fullness? And so I have the choice to say, actually, this doesn't work for me. But men are such in the paradigm that they don't know when they're going to get laid next so that they'll take anything. Yeah. They'll take anything that's coming from them. And yeah. so when I learned to be a bit more discerning with my, uh, with, my, with my connections, I've actually learned, I've actually gained a lot more power. Yeah. One of the things that I, I learned uh, along the way is that rejection and I, and I, you know, rejection is, is tough for anybody, whether it's in business or dating or, or whatever. Rejection can hurt, especially when I'm really wanting something so bad, mm -hmm. you know? And when it was, when it was sex, if I, got, if I got rejected by a woman, I used to take it personally. I really did. And then somewhere along the way, I, I heard uh, a bumper sticker, whatever, rejection is God's protection. Yes. Which is which is this person is not right for me. Right. This situation is not right for me. And it's it sounds cheesy, but it's so much easier to live in this isn't my person or my situation. And it has nothing to do with me. You know, as long as I didn't offend or hurt anybody or or do anything malicious, if I'm just being me and expressing my desires and what I want and being Sean, as mushy or as strong or whatever Sean is then that's, that's what's available and that's what I want to do. And I don't want to surround myself or even spend time with people that aren't into that. Absolutely. And there's so many people out there. Like, I don't even want to have a coffee with somebody that doesn't want to have coffee with me. It's why like, would why, we, why would you want to waste my time? Why would I want to pretend, like, think that there's something potential and actually it's not, and they're just kind of having a coffee with me to, like, make me happy? And it's like, but I realized that I was doing that a lot. It's like, oh, this person wants to spend time with me. I don't want to hurt their feelings. So, okay, I'll do that. And now I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I do that to them? You know? like, well, Yeah, why were you doing that? 
well, but that's the pay, the place of myself that is like self-sacrificing for the the happiness of the other. People pleasing. People pleasing, which is not a, an empowered state, which leads to like the shadow, which is martyrdom. It's like, oh, but I've done all of this for you and now like you can't do this for me, you know? So it's like it's it's doesn't it's not healthy. Don't I, do it. I call it the white knight syndrome. White knight syndrome. <laughs> that's you know, like where where I do something that you haven't even asked me to do and then I'll be resentful for it. But I was helping you, right. but you never asked me for help, right. you know? And, uh, you know, I have a friend who I, 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 several years ago, I had a little birthday dinner. It was just going to be three of us. And one of them canceled, you know? And I called him and I was like, yo, what's up, dude? Why are you canceling? And he goes, I'm just not up for it. And I go, come on, man. It's just the, it's just the three of us. He goes, look, don't try to make me feel guilty here. I don't do anything I don't want to do. Very healthy. Very healthy. <laughs> I mean, it, a little rude, but very healthy. Right. And I think about I think about that often. I don't do anything I don't want to mm. do. I mean, there's there's things that I'm going to do because I know they're the right thing to do, right. like call my grandma, go see her, all that kind of stuff. But like, if I don't want to do it because of how I I think someone's going to feel. I'm going to find the nicest way possible to, exactly. to let them know and not do it and right. save everybody the hassle. And people respect that. In the end, although it's difficult because it comes off as some level of rejection, I think in the end, people are much more appreciative yeah. of, of that. Yeah, I have a lot of experience in breaking up. Uh, and I mean breaking up, and I use that in the loosest term. I, I use it in early stage dating. After a date or two, before most of the time before sex or any any sort of sexual encounter happens i just let somebody know that i'm not i'm not feeling it and 90% of the time uh the women the the reply say uh, that was very thoughtful and honest right. it wasn't what i wanted to hear but i really appreciate the honesty and which leads me to believe that most people are not being clear in their communication when Absolutely. it comes to it, it, when it comes to dating, also when it comes to pretty much everything else, but but in in a dating context, uh, I think people are just gonna either ghost and you know re re stop returning communications mm -hmm. because it can be uncomfortable to right. just say. And this is disempowerment. This is that piece when I'm talking about the power piece, like the embodied power piece as uh, as a conscious creator. This like this is basically avoidance and no part of avoidance is it comes from a place of of deep power yeah. so having a difficult conversation that may or may not turn into what you want is 10 times more empowering than going into avoidance i just don't ever want to have to cross the street if I'm walking and, I, and I, I'm going to cross someone that I owe a conversation to, I don't want everyone to have to turn down an alley quickly because I didn't have a potentially difficult conversation right. with somebody. You know, I want to be clear in all my communications and in all my connections because, you know, I've changed my mind before. Mm -hmm. I've totally changed my mind. Like I've dated somebody for a few whatever told them that I wasn't really feeling it. And then we end up running into each other at some other point in mm -hmm. our lives where things are different mm -hmm. because that's the thing about your, you know, the field analogy of, of, uh, you know, desires, fears and boundaries, fears and boundaries is that, uh, you know, those change. Absolutely. Constant. The, they're always in flux. Even in play. Exactly. And we always say like boundaries are not like, uh, walls. Boundaries are like bridges, right? You're allowed to 
have invite somebody over or change boundaries you know yeah. as long as you're clear of what the intention behind you changing the boundary is if you're changing the boundary because you don't want to hurt somebody that's disempowered if you're yeah. changing the boundary because um you're trying to make a power play like oh if i do this then i'll get this this is not power this is not true power yeah. it's manipulation yeah. so yeah so boundaries can change and it's actually my my pleasure when from actually sometimes just speaking a boundary and having a boundary respected yeah. like so the bound if i tell you my boundary and you hear it and it lands and you respect my boundary immediately i could say actually i feel safe now so i'll just change that boundary and let's make love now sean <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i got a text message from a woman a lesbian who had never slept with a man before that I knew from uh, AA meetings back in San Francisco. And we were always super flirty, but I always knew she's not into guys. So, you know, it's all good. And then I got a text message that said, you know, would you consider sleeping with me? And, uh, and I said, I would consider us talking about it and then maybe doing it. And so I invited her over and we had tea and I, and I did basically, uh, you know, desires, fears and boundaries with her. Um, what are you hoping to get out of the experience? You know, what would be something that, that would make, really make you happy? What don't you want to do? And she told me all that. And then at one point she was like, but I'm not going to suck your dick. <laughs> and I was like, that's totally fine. Not, not a problem. And then halfway through, she was like, I really want to suck your dick. And I was like, that is also exactly. totally fine. Exactly. And it's because she felt safe. You right. know, we had the conversation and, and she actually said that she was so, so grateful that, that, I was even thoughtful enough to have that conversation because it felt like I was meeting her where she was at. It wasn't just going to be another situation of a man taking from a woman or a man taking from a man or anybody, right. one person taking from a person. But it was from a place of what can we create together? Right. You know, like how can I meet your needs and how can you meet my needs and where are we going to meet together? So this is the type of coaching and education that our youth needs, both from the male perspective and, and the female perspective. And if we were doing this at around 14 years old, 14, yeah. 15 years old, yeah. having these conversations and having people, young people practice this, we would start to see a much more empowered uh, collective. And I think that's kind of what the problem is and that's what the agenda is. The, the system doesn't necessarily want super strong, conscious, powerful creators right. because it's, it's harder to manage and control yep. a population that's in their power. Yep. Most of the people in power are men and teaching this to men and to women would make for more empowered women. Absolutely. And then that makes it makes it more difficult to control. Absolutely. Um, so it's a systemic issue. I know that education is the answer. I used to work as a, as a um, rape crisis counselor in San wow. Francisco. And, and I always thought that, that education would be one, I think, you know, successful way of getting, of, of having less sexual abuse. If men knew that instead of taking, they could ask and most likely would, would get more yeses. I mean, definitely would get more yeses if mm -hmm. you ask. Um, then if you don't ask, then, then there would be less of this mentality of I have to get as much as I can right. in any way possible. Yeah. And, and this is the piece of like, Allowing the energy of eros, so eros is intimate love or sexual, the sexual expression of love. Mm -hmm. If we allowed eros to move more freely in our culture, that actually we would be less hungry. Yeah. So what what does that look like? So when, for example, when I'm uh, at ISTA or or any of 
workshop or any space that is um, uh, giving permission for the energy of Eros to move, I find that everybody becomes a whole lot less hungry. And, mm. and Eros could look like just being an environment where people are allowed to be nude. Mm. So the fact that we're all nude in an environment and we see each other, just that kind of uh, brings down the sexual tension uh, because it's like, oh, actually, this is just another animal body. And it's not like this big, mysterious, sexy, wrapped candy that I just want to pop in my mouth, yeah. right? It's it's more of a, oh, what, or if there was like nude hugging, just this energy of being able to feel a body and have bodies come together and move the energy. There's a lot more oxytocin that's flowing through the body. So the hunger starts to diminish. Mm. And I find that every time I'm in an environment where this eros is moving a bit more freely, and I'm not even not talking about penetra penetrative sex. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking the energy of eros moving freely. I feel that even myself, my hunger diminishes. When I'm home in Montreal for a month or two months and disconnected from beloveds or not really on the daily with 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 women or people that I care about or, or, or moving a version of sensual energy, I start to get much more like crazy. You know, yeah. I start to turn to pornography more yeah. more often. So in in my trends, I see myself using more porn as as a support system to feed my Eros, yeah. uh, than when I'm out on the road traveling the world for uh, for weeks at a time, yeah. where I have no access to pornography, or uh, or I'm not having necessarily having sex, but connected to a lot of people yeah. and 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 a freedom that comes with the movement of this eros. It my whole body just starts to relax a lot more and gets out of that hunger yeah. perspective. It's interesting that you bring up you bring up eros because. Um, I don't know anything about it, but now, you know, I've been to, to several sex parties and I feel, I, I always kind of describe some of, some of these sex parties as like the least sexy sex parties. And I think it's because there's such a freedom to engage in whichever way feels safe to you and to, and to your partner or partners that, that there's less hunger for it because it is, everything's available or potentially available. Right. It's like, uh, it's like, at a buffet, right. you know? And so there's, there's that, it's that charge of like, I need to get laid is just not, it's not present at sex parties for the, for the ones I've been to. Exactly. And if we go, if we look at your metaphor of the buffet, it's like, if you, the first time you're at a buffet, it's like, oh my God, everything I could eat for twenty four ninety five. it's like blah, 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 you're blah. You're going to gorge. You're going to gorge, you're going to gorge. And then the, after that, you're going to be like, oh my God, I feel so sick. I'll never do that again. <laughs> so sometimes you see those people come to sex parties and they're like, they're always the awkward person that is like trying to make things happen. Yeah. It's because it's like, oh my God, I've never been into this environment before. I need to get it all now. The next time you go to a buffet, you're going to be a bit more reasonable because you understand the repercussions of like being a glutton. You might be more discerning. It, discerning, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I like, you know, the older I get, the more discerning I've become. Absolutely. I think that comes with maturity. Thank God. And experience. Thank God. I, mean, yeah, I just turned 40 years old and I'm like, oh my God, things are shifting now. I'm not so hungry. I'm not so as, as needy. And, and you were talking about something before uh, and you were speaking about something like um, the wanting and the wanting that learns uh, leads into disappointment. Mm. And so ultimately, our, it's, it's our ego that wants. The ego is like always wanting something that is outside of ourselves. Mm. And so when we have this, this, this 
deep need or this deep want for something to fulfill us internally, but it's coming from the outside, that is actually the pieces that lead to disappointment and sadness and depression because it's like the only way for your personal satisfaction is to be complete by something outside of you. Yep. And ultimately... The reason we're so wanting sexuality and so needing sexuality is because sex is a doorway into God. Mm -hmm. And I I always hesitate saying God because we have religious trauma and people think that God is a bad word right now. But if we use God as source or universal energy or whatever, power, power, whatever it is. Language of the world, whatever. Right. And so, so what's happening is that when we connect sexually and we make love and we uh, drop into that moment of um, orgasm, mm. the one thing that happens for an orgasm for everybody is that we have a, a, a glimpse, a moment of egolessness and timelessness. Mm. So that, that moment of egolessness and timelessness is exactly the, the moment of communion with God. Mm. And Osho, the 20th century mystic, mm-hmm. would say that you only you could you can meet God in two moments. One is in meditation, because mm. you you drop into that present moment awareness and you're egoless and, and it turns into timeless. And the other time is in sexuality. And he says it's often good to to actually experience it through sexuality because it might be easier to find it in sexuality. So ultimately our hunger is not really necessarily for the physical experience, but for the experience to come back into the feeling the feeling of unity consciousness right so when two people come together and we lose the borders of our body and we feel like we've merged into one we're like you're my soulmate oh my goodness i I have everything i need here um it's really the feeling of come going back to where we were before we were incarnated in this world where we were all one and so this hunger this chase is really the chase to feel union and so we mix it up because we have all the social sexual cues, whether it be on social media, whether it be in entertainment, whether it be on uh, marketing, we're always being cued with, with sexual cues. And so that triggers our desire. Mm-hmm. And marketers know this very well. If I trigger your desire and the, use the sexuality, then you'll be probably more prone to act because desire is the greatest force towards yeah. Uh, action. Two things. Yeah. Whenever I'm hungry for something, when I get it, when I finally get it, if I do, then I'm just more hungry for something else. Like it doesn't stop. It doesn't, right. it doesn't fill the hole inside. Right. You know, I finally get the woman. Uh, well, now I want a different woman. Right. Like this one's boring to me now. Right. Uh, if if I, I want that money that that person owes me, then they call me and they say, oh, actually, the check's in the mail. Well, now I want something else. Right. And so that's the problem. That's the problem I've always had with hunger is that it's just, it's never ending. It's never ending. Like I'm, I'm always going to win. So unless I, I sort of realize where like the real hunger is coming from, it's not bagels. It's not pussy. <laughs> it's not money. Right. It's not followers. Right. You know, because if I'm not well with me, then I'm always going to be looking for an outside. Exactly. I'm always going to look for an outside source of of wellness. Right. And so Tantra says that ultimately we are the bliss. We have to trust that we are the, the source of the bliss. We are the source of the love. So 
this idea of looking outward of ourselves always puts like the onus on the outside. So mm. that's why we're always seeking. But if we did the spiritual work, we did the emotional work, we did the the, the trauma release work, then we'd recognize that everything we're, we're seeking is within us and that any moment could be a blissful moment. The moment of looking your child in the eyes could be a blissful moment. The moment of having a cold breeze go up against your face is a blissful moment. So we have to move from the focus of doing in order to get bliss yeah. to understanding that we accept every moment as an, a, a moment to be the bliss. Mm. We are the bliss. Mm. So that's like bringing again, that presence and that stillness and coming into the centeredness with ourselves. And so I keep on going back to that because that is the, the core of Tantra. And people like to like go to a bunch of Tantra workshops and there's like all kinds of Tantra teachers teaching all like techniques and all that jazz. But it's not Tantra. It's not the authentic Tantra. It's it's the neo-play Tantra, which which uh, stimulates uh, good business. Yeah. And I, I won't lie, I, I play on it as well. It's like I know people want sensuality. They want opportunity to connect. So ultimately, I give them those experiences experiences because if we're oh if we're so hungry that we're constantly looking outside of ourselves at me telling you oh the bliss is inside of yourself go after it stop looking outside you're gonna say whatever frank you know well, or i'll say like do you have a workshop on that yeah exactly <laughs> sell me a workshop so, on how to find my inner bliss yeah and i don't think it would sell too much but, <laughs> but if i told you we would have a tan tantric experience of touching each other uh using i might sign up you would sign up i know I, so for example i did a, a workshop called uh, awakening power and pleasure and i sold out 50 spots in like two weeks and and this week i'm running a workshop called uh, shadow hunting yeah and and like i have like seven people signed up and it's like three days away from the event right and it's and ultimately people want to stay in the light in the lightness they, nobody wants to go into the dark but it's through going through that dark and 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 and, and turning on the light into the, that messy corner of your closet that is actually what's going to serve more spaciousness and more freedom. So if people are really on the quest of being the love, uh, living with more freedom, where they would start looking is into their shadow because yeah. the shadow is what actually keeps them hostage to a life of, of need. Well, you, I mean, you said, you said uh, you know, the, the, way, the way to bliss is through the work. You know, spiritual work, trauma release work, mm -hmm. and and all that stuff mm -hmm. that doesn't live in the light. Right. I mean, going to therapy is yeah, I feel better after, but oftentimes I feel really sad after. Mm -hmm. You know, and oftentimes I'm asked questions that I don't want to answer, that I don't want to look at, places I don't want to look at, and and that's just kind of scratching away at at sort of that you know that that grimy stuff. Mm. And uh, and I think therapy is really good, but I also think that therapy is like mind based mm -hmm. and really where we where we need to be going is going into a, a body based wisdom. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to like you know know why things happen and and get to the root of it, but that won't move 
the stuck energy that we have in our body that's linked to the experience. What we need is is uh, uh, tools that help you move the emotion. So we call them emotional release tools, techniques. So if you're feeling sadness, despair, uh, anger, rage, any of what we call dense emotions, you can't use your mind to ultimately get mm. over it. Yeah. You could have an understanding, but understanding won't clear that 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 energetic cyst that has been built in your body through all that time. What is needed is literally breath, sound, and movement. Right. Intense amounts of breath, sound, and movement uh, and dropping into the emotion without the judgment. So it's yeah. like, oh, anger is bad. I shouldn't be angry. So I'm going to stuff down that anger. I'm going to keep on stuffing that anger because culturally we don't ex ac accept anger. No. But anger is present and anger is a, a, a primal emotion. So what we, in Arista, the International School of Temple Arts, what we do is we support environments where people could go deep into the expression of their, for example, anger. And so we give them emotional release techniques and they really just lose it. They completely lose it until they're exhausted. So when you lose it until you've completely gone into a physical body exhaustion, well, then that energy that you're holding that was related to that uh, block or trauma starts to diffuse because it's no longer being held so powerfully in our body or stuffed down. It's mm. the stuffing that creates uh, a deeper problems yeah I, I i did a a very crude form of this when i was 25 years old I, I went and gathered up a whole bunch of uh like expired office equipment and computer mm, stuff mm. and then i got a sledgehammer and an axe and we drove out to a, a dock in san francisco and we just smashed the shit out of it you know very masculine <laughs> yeah very yeah it was me and a, and a friend who was who was going through a breakup and and she was, you know, she had, she was just really, really angry at her ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And so we smashed a bunch of stuff and, and, and we were exhausted after. And then we picked it all up because we, we weren't going to leave a bunch of trash there. So we spent, you know, an hour smashing and then maybe two hours cleaning. Mm -hmm. And the cops came just to mm -hmm. see what we were doing. And they, they, they approved of our, of our extracurricular activity. And then, and then they went, they went on. That was a very crude version so, of... Yeah, but it, it's crude. I mean, it's very primal and really, like, uh, uh, expressive. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that's a bad... I wouldn't consider that bad. So my question to you is, would be, how did you feel after that? How did you and her feel after that experience? It was like meditating. Right. We felt super chill and, and like, relaxed and... We were tired, tired, yeah. but there were there was no anger, right? You know, I think I was angry at my dad, just years and years right. of, of dad stuff, right? That I had smashed out. And so this is this is what we talk about when we're talking about emotional release techniques. It's that feeling of just go balls to the wall until it's like you're completely exhausted, and then it's like even the idea of holding on to that storyline is just mm. tiring, and you're like, why would I want that? I feel good. I could move on with my life now. Yeah, that's that's the the, the core of emotional re release. So I'm really glad you shared that story. Yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> so that's some of the stuff that you teach. Absolutely. Um, at at ITSA. ISTA, the International School of Temple Arts. Yeah, we have a seven day transformational program. It's a very powerful container. Always has three fa uh, facilitators, so it's a really well held, safe uh, environment. And uh, basically, the the training uh, has a uh, I would call it a, a three three sections. The first section would be like 
learning about uh, consent, boundaries, types of touch, conscious touch. And during that time as well, we're also uh, doing learning emotional release techniques. So we're learning how to move our energy. We're actually clearing our emotional body so that we could be more powerful containers. So, I mean, a lot of time it's like we want to be doing like sex magic or magic, but we're working from a container that's filled with 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 shit yeah and so (laughs) when you clear that shit you actually have a lot more space to use the the power in your body to Mm. make magic the second step would be um uh deprogramming uh cultural instilled uh, shame fear and guilt uh, in regards to sexuality in our body and then we would do a reclamation of our body and our pleasure as our birthright so a lot of people feel like oh their body is bad or that their pleasure is bad so we do a whole section on reclaiming the body and pleasure as our birthright so it's like it's okay to be in pleasure we're sexual beings exactly it's not a problem right And then the third uh, section of the training is um, a perspective or a reference point into how sexuality can be used for more than recreation or procreation, Mm -hmm. that sexuality could actually be used for healing and transformation as well as revitalization. So those last two or those last three uh, take a certain amount of intention in order for for them to to manifest so it's like intentional sex and healing sex yeah um earlier you mentioned you know orgasm being a pathway to god correct and i i thought oh like you know i, I recently was with a partner who had like a she had like a one or two minute long orgasm mm. and she was kind of blown away. Mm. She was like, what did you do? And I go, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> well, we'll try it again. But now I'm just thinking like she, she might've had one to two minutes of God consciousness right. of like pure unadulterated contact with God. Exactly. And then if I think of my orgasms, they're nowhere near as exciting mm. as a two minute long orgasm. Mm-hmm. So are women, do women have more access to this or like men are coming more Women are coming less often, but having more powerful no. orgasms. So no, <laughs> it's it's a it's a matter of getting to know your body technology. Uh, men and women have different, uh, a bit of a different way to get to the same place. Mm. Um, ultimately, it all comes down to breath, sound, and movement, and uh, riding the wave of bliss. So, what does that mean? It means that oftentimes when we're making love, we're we're uh, and I'm not saying this about you, I'm just talking in general, um, that there's a, a goal orientation. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I need to make her come as quickly as possible so then I could come. Riding the wave of bliss is uh, is using breath, sound, and movement to prolong uh, ejaculation, mm-hmm. meaning like, so let's say as a man, you're building up, right? So you're building up and you could go all the way, like you could move up to a seven. So let's say 10 is ejaculation. Mm-hmm. So you're moving up to a seven. It's very exciting. And you're using breath, sound and movement. So you're using your breath. So you're taking deep breaths with, uh, uh, um, expressed sound. So it's like, 
really like not holding back because culturally again we have shame around our voice so it's like men especially we don't use our voice or we don't use our throat to to manage our our sex uh, our sexual prowess and so let's say we're coming to a seven then we could slow it down and bring bring our energy down to like a four and then build it up to a nine but don't not crossing that that threshold and bringing it down to a six and then bringing it back to an eight and then down to a two and then bring it back to a nine and so it's like this this riding mm. the waves so the more we do that the more that we're building um sexual power yeah and so ultimately when we do choose to ejaculate yeah. that it is a much more longer and powerful experience now i'm also here to say that when you master breath sound and movement and riding the, the wave of bliss that you could actually come into orgasm right. without the ejaculation right and ultimately that is the place that men should be working towards uh, to become better lovers. Yeah. And so women using breath, sound and movement and riding the, the wave of bliss, what it will lead to is uh, longer, stronger, harder orgasms. Yeah. So I tip my hat off to you because there's probably a good chance that you were doing this <laughs> riding the wave of bliss and, and got her to, 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 to really um, have a, a, a big, um, uh, explosion. But here's the thing. You said one thing, and this is very common as well. It's like she said, what did you do? Right. And so that is giving away our power. Right. It's giving me the power. It's giving you the power. Yeah. It's not about you. Which she feels has, great, by the way. It feels great. It feeds the <laughs> ego completely. But ultimately what's going on is that she, that's her body. That's her capacity that's her capability yeah. it's that maybe she hasn't taken the time to really understand the her body technology and how far she could go with it yeah so this is what the work we all have to do is starting to understand that our body is a technology and that we've we've disowned this technology because religion has told us that our bodies are sinful because they're terrestrial yeah and and so we're in a place of just starting to wake up this idea of actually my body is my uh pathway to god uh -huh. and we used to give it up and say i need to speak to a priest a rabbi whatever in order or a guru in order to speak to god yeah so what what i'm here to say is that take back your power your body is the temple your body has all the technology to have a direct link yeah. to god and the heart is the bridge between the animal body and the spiritual body yeah and so when we um bring our heart into our love making for example we have a bigger potential to really get to those those godlike uh, those those god consciousness moments and when we are in those moments it's not rare to get a, a revelation mm. or a download. So, and it could be as great as, oh my God, I got the answer to what happened to me in my youth, or I've, I've revealed an, a big aha moment. Yeah. Or in my case, I actually use sex magic or this type of sex to get ideas for my creative project. So like with Mondoze, every event, there's a new theme and there's a, a whole vision that has to play out in order for me to bring it to life. And I often get those visions when I am in ecstatic bliss and yeah. I, I feel like there's a seed that's planted in my mind and I don't even know where this has come from. And then when I meditate on it after. 
or I talk about it after, I slowly start to see the full vision of what this seed is, and then I bring it into manifestation through my events. And that is the full circle of being a, a, a creative, con a, a conscious creator. Yeah, I mean, that's a powerful way of like, of creating. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I would like to create through having sex as well. Do it. This is this is what everybody should be doing. They should be going into their lovemaking, using breath, sound, and movement, presence, and uh, and uh, riding those waves of bliss to create a larger, exp uh, like a, a, a larger capacity for uh, vibratory pleasure in the body uh, in order to open without thought, without mind, and to allow consciousness to stream into you 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 mentioned uh separating ejaculation from orgasm you know once you really master your sex magic uh, at one i think when i was probably in my late 20s i had a friend who was in his late 30s and he and he said sean you need to master this 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 is the holy grail of of like having beautiful amazing powerful sex with people or with yourself Mm -hmm. And so he gave me the multi-orgasmic male mm -hmm. and I was not able to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I just didn't spend a lot of time. I just, practicing. I didn't spend cultivating. Yeah. yeah. I didn't spend a lot of time practicing. So two questions. Yeah. A, have you mastered this mm -hmm. phenomenal technology? Well, so you want me to answer that right now? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I would say that there's moments that I master it. Uh, so to be honest with you, uh, our culture and as men, uh, we're very addicted to our ejaculation. It's yeah. like every time I start to speak about tantra and ejaculatory choice, I see men like disconnect. It's like, you're not going to take away my ejaculation. I sacrifice way too much. Do not take away my ejaculation. So I would say... Um, I have to want it, yeah. uh, but like in 2012, I met my first tantric lover, and and she was she wanted a lot of sex. So we were having sex three times a day for uh, one month, and that's not a joke. Yeah. So if I was actually coming every time I had sex, I would be completely depleted because our yeah. seed holds our, our our life force, right? Yeah. So when we give up our life force, uh, our seed, we're actually giving up our life force. So it was through my experience with her that I really got to practice and I really mm. use that. So for me, I think the key is definitely the big breath and the big exhale. Yeah. Like the big, like, rawr. Like, and to me, I encourage men to call in your animal self, like grunt, growl, uh, yell, bark, whatever it is that you need to do to move that energy, just do it. And that will you help mean you move energy. You mean move it away from the genitals. Yeah, exactly. So when, when you're not, when you're holding your breath and you're not sounding and you're tense, you're tense, all the energy stays in your genitals. So when you're coming close to that moment, there's no way but outward yeah. for the release. Yeah. But when you're actually taking those big draws you know it's like at those moments it's actually that is what's moving the yeah. energy away from the genitals into the rest of the body yeah so yes i would say i've had <clears throat> moments or times in my life where yeah. i've mastered it and then there's other moments where i'll be honest where i'm lazy or i just want my ejaculation or yeah. i want my big finish yeah. and fun and play with that and my lovers like that so that's the other side yeah. is that women are also addicted to ejaculation yeah. they feel that if you don't ejaculate that they didn't do a good job as a lover yeah. so there's a lot of uh 
mind stuff that needs to be shifted in order for us to empower each other. So when you're making love to a woman, it's like even though I there's a there's moments where I want to I don't want to ejaculate. So when I don't want to ejaculate, I speak it because a lot of women as they feel me coming close to my uh, my orgasm or my ejaculation, they're gonna start milking. Yeah. Because um, uh, in- instinctively, yeah. that is what they're programmed to do. It's sure. like get the seed, get the seed, get the yeah. seed, because they need to reproduce. So as women become more conscious and they hear that men don't want to ejaculate and it has nothing to do with their performance, but more about. Uh, mastering their energetic body that they will be a bit more like uh, supportive in the experience. Well, not only that, I found that when I've tried to withhold ejaculation or like cultivate, you know, more sex magic or whatever, the women that I've been with were so impressed Mm. that that I would even consider not ejaculating that that turned them on also maybe made me made them want me to ejaculate even more making <laughs> right. it even more difficult right but you know they were just they were they were sort of blown away that that there could be that level of control yeah that level of control yeah of self control willpower self control willpower basically everything that we speak about at ista is really about personal sovereignty yeah it's like actually that you are your own authority yeah. and that the work is getting clear with your own authority and not moving from places, uh, wounded places and thinking that you're empowered, but actually coming to a clear sovereign place and moving from your own authority. And then when you're, when you own that, it really doesn't matter what people think of you or what people think of the action or whatnot. That's their projection and their shadow. Yeah. I think it's really powerful as a man to be able to, think about what it is that I actually desire because I've been so conditioned to desire sex. And so when I, sometimes I have dates with people where I'm just, I'm not feeling sexual. Right. And instead of uh, brushing off the advance and pretending and not talking about it, I'll say, you know what, actually I'm not feeling really sexual right now because I think of these reasons. Mm-hmm. And then I will, I will describe what, mm-hmm. I, what I think is happening, uh, whether it's like I'm really tired or I've had, or I have low libido because of, I'm getting older or well I would I would invite you to not even have to give a reason. See like that's another thing our culture does. It's like no because and then the justification comes out. Well, no is a complete sentence. Sure. And this goes for women yeah. and for men. And so it doesn't have to be like no I don't want to have sex. You could say no thank you. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> What you're saying is that like it's okay to just say no. Yeah, so I'm polyamorous. Yeah. I'm polyamorous so I have multiple lovers. Yeah. And I am not always attracted to each and every one of my lovers the same way every time mm. so you've seen that consent piece about in england the, about tea the tea like yeah. yeah if you've had tea today doesn't mean that you want tea tomorrow yeah. and whatever yeah so it's that it's the same thing it's this idea of i will only move sexually when my body tells me it wants to move sexually. Mm, yeah. So if I'm meeting a beloved and my beloved is charged and there's nothing about my body that's saying go into sexuality, I'm just going to own it and say, you know you know how much I'm attracted to you, you know how much I, I love you, and I'm just not feeling it right now. Yeah. And and I, you know, ultimately what I'm trying to say is I want you to respect my body and not force me into performance yeah. because that's not going to be authentic or present. Sure. And what you said was that you wanted to sort of challenge me 
to not give a reason to just say, no, I'm not feeling it. And I'm going to challenge you because I think we're in a culture right now where people don't, they, they don't talk about this stuff. So a woman is going to say, Oh, not tonight. And she's not going to really talk about the fact that, uh, when you did this earlier, it sort of made me think about this and I have some fears about the future. And so I'm not turned on because of all these repercussions. And so I want to bring this stuff up because you know, my therapist said a long time ago, this is another therapist. His name was Dr. Talkoff. And I just love that name, Jay Talkoff. And he was phenomenal. Jay Talkoff. And he said, the more you communicate, the more you let your partner know right. what's going on with you and the more they can communicate with you. I agree 100%. I mean, if something is up, yes, please speak about it because then it's like just building <laughs> resentment and, and, yeah. and inability. But if it's like, actually, your body's just not responding because you're tired, you had a big work week or, yeah. you know, there's just, like you, you're not turned on in the you moment. You had sex three times, uh, you know, week. whatever it is. <laughs> it's like, you, do you really have to give them that that justification? And no. I and I'm and, and I'm also not even saying it for you because we're men. So it's like whatever. The reason I said it is more for the women. Yeah. Because women feel like they have to always like justify their no or like. And I and I'm saying this from a feminine empowerment perspective. Yeah. It's like no, I want women to know that they could say no, and that and that is that's enough. complete. That's yeah. enough and and to give them permission that they could hold that energetic authority and that uh, that it will be respected now if there's discomfort in the reception of that and a question well then there's a conversation sure but this idea that we must justify why i don't want to go to coffee with you for example yeah. is like no, no i just don't want to no thank you i'm not available uh, you know i don't want to you yeah know? like i'm not available is, is one of the things that i've always used i'm, I'm not available for dating mm. and then like if someone asked me out for a date i say no i'm not available mm-hmm for dating, Mm -hmm. but then they'll see me dating somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, really I was like, no, I'm not available for dating you. And I just didn't feel like I needed to make that specifically that, that little clarity. Um, but especially when it talks, when, you know, we're talking about libido and men and not wanting to have sex, we've been conditioned to want to have sex. And so when I'm in a position where I don't want to have sex, I I feel like it's helpful to, to describe or explain why I'm coming from that place because we just don't, we don't talk about the fact that like sometimes I I just like don't get it up as much as I used to. That's just a reality. And and no one wants to hear that. Right. But like, I just don't, I don't really care anymore. Like I don't care. And that's power. That's very powerful. (laughs) And, and I want to be with people who also don't care and, and, who are there to support me and wherever I am. And and like, I can't always perform and that's, that's okay. Exactly. Um, you had a second question that I didn't, I don't know. What was the first question? The first question was about, uh, I don't know. Oh no. So the, the first question was, uh, can you, oh yeah. Can you, uh, delay or, or separate ejaculation from orgasm? The second is, do you have any resources for people who want other than the multi-orgasmic male, which I think is a phenomenal book, um, that I'm going to re download or reread. Yeah. Well, Montak Chia is the master teacher around uh, sublimation. I mean, personally, I haven't read his his work. Um, I've I've learned my uh, what I've learned through uh, Ista and and the little chapter we have on energetic sex, and then it's just a whole lot of practice. 
And so for me, in a nutshell, it's, again, breath, sound, and movement. So pacing your movement so that you don't blow your load. Yeah. Number two, it's like taking those deep draws and uh, sounding ho- however you feel you need to sound. Yeah. And number three... And the final piece, which is actually counterintuitive, is that when we come to the place where we feel that we're going to come, we actually go into contraction of our of our uh, PC muscles yeah. in our body. Yeah. Actually, what it through at the same time of sounding and breathing yeah. is actually going into complete. Um, release or a complete uh, relaxation mm. of the muscles down mm. there. So it's, it's counter cause you're clamping, yeah, but you're, clamping. but, but it's actually releasing the energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you want to actually kind of release the tension and, and, and sound at the same time mm-hmm. through the big breath and, and a lot of practice and a lot of, uh, accidental ejaculations. Okay, yeah, all that, all these techniques are in the book, The Multi-Orgasmic Male. Right. They just, they talk about the the big breath, they talk about the sound, and they talk about the clamping, and then they even, they they even incorporate, um, uh, basically, like, applying a lot of pressure on, what I think they call it, the, the million dollar spot. It's like the perineum. Yeah, exactly. And just, yeah, I'm not just, for that. Just, cl- just, <laughs> I'm not for that's that. That's your last, resort. that's your last resort right there. That's when it's like, the soldiers are coming out. Lock and you, it down. And you, yeah, lock you, it you down. lock it down. Uh, okay, so that, that's a resource that people. Yeah, Montag Chi is the man. Okay, he's the man. Yeah. Um, do we have any parting thoughts? Where, for, first of all, where can we find you? Where can we yeah. find you? The best place to find me is uh, frankmondose.com. Uh, this is my portal. I have multiple projects. For example, The Spiritual Playboy, which is an online uh, web series. I have uh, The Daring World Podcast, which is on SoundCloud. I have mondoze.com, which is my essential and uh, central entertainment company. I have the sexualrenaissance.com, which is my training and education page. So if you want to know uh, what I'm teaching and where I'm teaching, uh, you could go to sexualrenaissance.com. So like I have frankmondoze.com is the is the is the portal, portal yeah. into my whole world. Okay, yes. into yes. your mo- multiple arms. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a parting word? Yeah, I love to say uh, let love free because it's the only way we'll ever change anything because being loving is a completely selfless, bold, and daring act, whether it be falling in love with another, which means getting out of our own ego and um, and uh, supporting the expansion of the other, or being universally loving as a, as a social movement, it is a daring act because what, it, it, what it, it's requesting is for you to put your ego in the back seat and really be serving. And loving oneself, which... I mean, you, once you do that, then you can apply that to other people. Absolutely. Let love free. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot, Frank. All the best. All righty. Peace. Bye. The Love Drive is produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help of Guilford Street Studios, also known as my third floor walk-up in Montreal. You can find more information about me or The Love Drive by going to thelovedrive.com. And you can find more photos of my dog, Roger, on Instagram by searching for The Love Drive. If you want to know more about what we talked about in this episode, then check out the links in the show notes on my website or your podcast app. If you like the show, it would mean the world to me if you could go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. The more people like you that subscribe, the easier it'll be for new listeners to find the show. 
This means a lot to a small self-produced podcast like this one because I don't have the marketing or operating budget to compete against the larger podcasts. So if you like the show, then subscribe and tell a friend. Short of sending me cold hard cash in the mail, it's the most powerful thing you can do right now to help me out and it should take about 15 seconds. And please stick around. I have some great episodes coming your way. Boom!